What is a cowboy? It's not about hats and horses. Cowboy is about courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And when you put those things together, it spells Christ. And that's what being a true cowboy is all about, riding for the Lord. My name's Kevin Weatherby, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. You just sit back, grab you a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride with the Lord. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is a, is a great chapter. Um, it, it, a lot of people know the stories in John chapter 6. John chapter 6 starts out with the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus tests the disciples. And, you know, he's like, hey, hey y'all feed all these 5,000 people. And they're like, with what? You know, even if we worked for 22 years, we wouldn't have enough money to feed 5,000 people. And uh, anyway, this, this one disciple, he comes up and he says, Hey, I seen a little kid over there with some biscuits and some catfish. And so uh, Jesus says, Well, run over there and fetch it. So he goes over there and fetches it, and Jesus blesses it and breaks it. And man, they start handing it out. And after the 5,000 are fed, there's even leftovers. Amazing, amazing miracle that, that God, uh, Jesus revealed how God takes care of us, how he provides for us. And then after it was all over with, everybody's bellies are full. I guess they went to their little campgrounds. They pitched their cowboy tents or whatever they did back then. And Jesus told his boys, he said, y'all go over there to the other side. They're like, we only got one boat. He said, do what I tell you to do. So they went to the other side, and, and Jesus, he went and prayed and talked to his old daddy. And uh, here later, he come walking across there. He, he just walked across the water. Jesus don't, don't need no boat or anything like that. And so the next morning, the next morning... And these 5,000 people wake up, and, and I always like to preface it, it's it, more like fifteen or 20,000 because the 5,000 was just counting the men. Uh, so you can imagine what kind of congregation Jesus had for that sermon. And so they start looking around for Jesus, and they're like, hey, where, where is he? And they say, well, he's on the other side of the lake. So everybody gets in their boats, or everybody you know, hightails it around the lake, and they, they get over there to the other side, and they said, hey, Jesus, where'd you run off to? And Jesus tells them, you're looking for me because I fed you. I will not feed your stomachs again, but I will feed your soul. Then they ask, what must we do to do the work that God requires? What do you think Jesus said? Do you, do you think he said, well, I, I need you to go to church every Sunday. I need you to, to, to read your Bible. I need you to uh, do all of this stuff. I, I, I need you to memorize the books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I need you to go ahead and do that. I need you to go to vacation Bible school. I need you to teach Sunday school. I need you to do all of this stuff. No, he doesn't say any of that. When they ask, what must we do to do the works that God requires, Jesus answers, believe in the one that he has sent. It really is that simple. He continues to teach them what this means. And in verse 60, they go on down. And Jesus, I mean, Jesus has given them, he, he's given it to them with both barrels. He's not holding anything back. And he's not trying to sell himself. Well, you know what? If you'll come to me, I'll provide for you. No, he talks about dying to self. He talks about the hard stuff. He gives it to them with both barrels. And at the end of it, in John chapter 6, verse 60, they say, this is too tough. Who can accept what you have to say? Then Jesus asks in verse 61, Does this offend you? And they go on and Jesus talks to them a little bit. And in verse 66 it says this. In John chapter 6 verse 66 it says, From this time many of his disciples no longer followed him. Wow. Today we are going to start 
a three-part sermon series called 666 Christians. And I ain't talking about 666 being the mark of the devil. I'm talking about John chapter 6, verse 66. Those type of Christians. You know, those that just want to get their bellies fed. That They want all the benefits of God, but they don't want to follow Him. They don't want to, to hold tight to those the tougher things. The dying to self. The giving it over to Him. To pray in first. How many times have we all said, well, you know, we've done all we can. I guess all we, now we can do is pray. You should have been praying about it in the beginning. 666 Christians. Today we're going to talk about the delusional Christian. Next week we're going to talk about the moderate Christian. And two weeks from today we're going to talk about the tomorrow Christian. Today we're talking about the delusional Christian. Years ago, uh, I'm going to have to start saying months or something like that. I'm starting to give away my age with all these stories. Years ago I worked in Lubbock, Texas. I worked for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And I was a prison guard at the Montford Psychiatric Facility for Criminally Insane. You want to talk about a trip? This little Big Lake Texas cowboy that didn't know nothing but peeling broncs and, and gathering cattle and throwing loops. You notice I didn't say roping. I get to Montford Psych Unit and I knew I was in trouble when they handed me my uniform and it was baby blue. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. They're like, no, it'll calm the inmates. Well, I'm calm an inmate. There was this one fella, you, you're going to think I'm joking, guys. You're, you're going to sit there, I know for a fact, you're going to sit there and go, bull hockey, when I tell you this, but I'm, I'm dead serious. Does anybody know what Jack, uh, is it Jack Nicholson, Nich not, not the golfer, the other guy, what, Jack Nicholson, that played in The Shining, that scary movie, where you know he reaches through the door, he's like, oh, I'm here, or whatever, that scary looking dude, and everything like that. There was a guy that looked just like him. I was walking by this day room window up on A-Pod, A-1. That was where the worst of the worst was. That way you didn't have to take the elevator up to get to them whenever they was doing bad stuff. And I was walking by A-1 pod window, and this guy was just a mopping in there, and he looked at me, and he smiled. Y'all got the shining in there? They're like, yeah, we know. So I walked over there, and I, you know, I'm sitting at the desk, and there's this standing order. When inmate 49424496 is in the day room, be sure the TV is not on CBS. I'm like, what? What is this about? And they said, oh, you don't know what that inmate's in here for? I was like, no. They said, he's in here for killing people. I was like, well, you know him and a bunch of others. Now, nah, this guy told him, Bob Barker told him to do it from the prices right. <laughs> I said, no, seriously, come on. He's like, no. The dude is absolutely fine. He's great, very, very polite. There, I mean, you would never know it. He could be sitting right out here amongst you, and you would never, ever know it. He's one of the best inmates we have. He's the hardest worker. But if Price is Right comes on, he's already killed two people in prison because when Price is Right comes on and he hears Bob Barker's voice, he stares at the TV, and then he kills somebody. I was like, good grief. And he wasn't a very big guy. And so anyway, I heard the story, and it was, I don't know, it was a couple of months later anyway, uh, I, I hear this, this call come over the uh, deal. It says, you know, riot team to A1. So we, you know, I was on the team that day, and I carried the big stick because I wasn't very big. So I went running with my big stick down there, and I was following this big guy with a big shield, and we got there. And have you ever seen convicted felons hanging like cats from suspended ceilings? They were like that because some new guy had left it on CBS. And the Price is Right had come on, and them inmates, they knew... And when the, when the uh, mop handle fell to the ground and he walked up there to that TV and started looking at it, they hit them windows, let us out of here, let us out of here. I was like, good grief. We opened the door and 
you know, shut off the electricity to the, to the pod and everything, and you know, got all them guys out and got them back. He was just kind of standing there grinning at the window, looking at all of us. It was the creepiest thing I ever seen in my life. There was another fella. We called him the crash test dummy because he wore a bicycle helmet everywhere he went. He was a Hispanic fella. And one of the first things they told us, if you, see a, if you are of the Caucasian race and you see a fella walking around in a bicycle helmet, you are forbidden to speak to him. Like, what? What is that about? What were we, how are we supposed to tell him what to do? He said, you get a, a black officer or another Hispanic officer or something, and y'all get them over there, and they'll tell them what to do. I said, well, what for? Well, one day I got to see it. Because this guy, he, he, he heard something behind him, and he was a white officer, and he just turned real quick and spoke to this inmate that was standing right behind him, and it was crash test dummy. See, crash test dummy had this phobia that all white people had a disease, and if they talked to him, he'd catch that disease, and he could hold his breath till he passed out. That man went, <gasps> and he stayed there. We was like, dude, breathe, breathe, you know, and so these other guys got up, and I'll be dadgum if he didn't fall smooth out. That's why he wore the helmet. But you know, I, I was talking to those psychiatrists, and I asked them, I said, why does this guy believe that Bob Barker tells him to kill people? And why does this guy believe that all white people have a disease? And he said, well, they think it's reality. And I said, really? He said, yeah, to them, it is absolutely real. But he said, they really don't believe it because a belief that has no action in reality is not a belief at all. It's called a delusion. When you believe something and it doesn't happen and it's not real, it's not a belief at all. It's a delusion. Kyle Ottoman says in the book, Not a Fan, he says, a belief, no matter how sincere, if not reflected in reality, isn't a belief, it's a delusion. Now let's, let's look at some examples of that. A guy might think abuse is wrong, but he abuses his wife or kids anyway. A person might say, my family is the most important thing to me, but yet they take a higher paying job that keeps them away from everything. How can a cheating husband claim that he loves his wife or vice versa? Belief, whatever you say you believe in, has to be rooted in reality. You can't just say you believe something and then go do something completely else. Was that English? That was talking in cursive. Y'all just don't understand it. I worked on the San Pedro Ranch. And y'all have heard me tell stories about this. But when I got down there, there was another ranch hand. He wasn't there very long. Uh, this guy got here. And I, he looked the part, man. He punched old cowboy. had his hat all up like this. And boy, walked in. He's kind of a big fella, kind of like Jared. And I was like, Dad, gum, I want him. I want to flank with him. You know, he's a big guy. I reached over and shook his hand and told him, I said, you know, where are you from? And he, he told me and everything. And uh, we got out there and one of our jobs was to break horses and move cattle. And he was on an a internship with a prominent university. And he was getting college credit for doing this schoolwork. He'd do transect lines and he'd, he'd count all this other stuff. And, and, you know, he'd throw a dart out there in the air. I always thought it was kind of silly to watch him go work because he'd throw a dart up in the air and wherever it landed, he'd... Mark down what, what stuff was right around it and everything, and one of them range guys. And uh, anyway, one morning we got up, and, and we said, he said, what are we going to do today? I said, well, I think we're going to break some horses. He said, well, uh, okay. I'm looking at him. And so we went out to the pen, and, 
Antonio pointed at a horse, and I went over there and saddled it up, and he was watching, and I looked at him. I said, you got any horse experience? He said, well, I ride in a mounted team. I said, really? I said, well, if we ever have to ride together and go in circles and weave in and out of each other, you'll be the man for the job. He goes, you making fun of me? I said, no. <laughs> so, I, you know, being the cowboy that I am, I cheeked that horse around, I stepped on there, and he bucked me off, and I got back on, he bucked me off again. And I look up. I'm getting tired. I look up. This fellow's going the other direction. And we didn't see him the rest of the day. And I said, where'd you go? He said, oh, I remembered I had some stuff to do that I had to, I had to do. I was like... Man, I thought you were supposed to be helping. You're a paid employee. I know you're getting intern credit for this, but you're also a paid employee out here. here I'll, I'll help you next time. I said, all right. So one day we were moving, we were moving cattle, and, and he was going along. And I mean, this, this pasture was, was brushy. I mean, it was brushy bad. And I, even in the 150-degree heat, which is about how hot it is in here, I understand that, we had denim shirts and those, those, work, those Wrangler work shirts just to keep yourself from getting tore up by the... Uh, Ratama bush and the mesquite and the cat claw down there and everything. And I was sitting up on this hill, and I watched him where he was supposed to go move cattle. And there was cattle right there in that brush, and I could see him. And he didn't want to tear his shirt. So he went way, like three-quarters of a mile out of the way around this deal, and then just headed back to where he was supposed to go. So I had to go over there and go through that brush, and I get them cattle, and I push them up there. And I was like, hey, man, how did you miss Why'd you miss those cattle? I said, he goes, I didn't see them. I said, they were through that brush you were supposed to go through. I didn't want to tear up my shirt. I was like, good grief, dude. And then, you know, at 4.30 every morning, I'd get up and I'd walk across the little headquarters there to the bunkhouse where Antonio Zeffirino and Tomas lived. And I'd walk in there and every morning, Tomas would have homemade tortillas and there'd be just a five-gallon bucket of avocados. And we'd cut those avocados in half, squeeze them on those warm tortillas, mash them all up, put some salt on there, and that's what we ate for breakfast every morning. Everybody except the other guy, he had his fruit cup. And he had it at the house. He didn't want to go over there and eat that early. So, you know, it was just one of these things that that this guy, I mean, even on the weekend, how many ranch jobs do you know that is Monday through Friday, 8 to 5? Oh, cattle, you're hung up in the fence. We got cattle out on the road. We got a horse that's colicking. You're going to have to wait till 8 o'clock when I punch the time card. And if anything's happening at 5 o'clock, we're going to shut down and don't even start talking about the weekends. Man, 5 o'clock every Friday, he was going back home to turn his stuff in. I was like, good grief. He was a Monday through Friday 8 to 5 cowboy on a 24-hour outfit. Just because you live on a ranch doesn't make you a ranch hand. Just because you ride a horse doesn't make you a ranch hand. And just because you call yourself a ranch hand doesn't make you a ranch hand. We're talking about delusions. He wanted that ranch hand on his resume. He wanted it real bad, but he didn't want to do anything to get it. He wasn't willing to get out there and get bucked off and learn something. He wasn't willing to go through the thick brush. Remember John chapter 6, verse 66? All them 5,000 people that were following Jesus, they came up to him and he said, I ain't going to fill your bellies, but I'll fill your soul. And he starts telling them what it'll take to follow him. And they said, this is too tough. John chapter 6, verse 66 says, And from that time forward, many of the disciples no longer followed him. The delusion, the belief. Now Jesus did say, all you have to do is believe in the one he sent me. But you can't just say, yep, I believe, and then just keep going the same way you're going. That's not a belief, that's a delusion. 
Jesus doesn't want to be third or fourth in your life. And let me tell you what, Jesus doesn't want to be first of many in your life. He wants to be the one and only in your life. And only then, when you make Him your one and only, will you get everything that your heart desires. Many people just go to Jesus and they think, you know what, I'm having a hard time and I'll come to you, Jesus, if you'll get me through this. 666 Christians, when the going gets tough, are you going to follow or are you going to fall back? Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, only those who actually do the will of my Father. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Or if you don't really understand that, if there's too many big fancy church words in there for you, the simplified cowboy version says, not everyone who claims to be a cowboy that works for me will end up on the boss's ranch. Only those cowboys who do what the boss wants them to will end up there. On the day of reckoning, many cowboys will claim that they worked for me. They will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we ride out and tell people about you and get rid of evil things in your name? Didn't we do things that could only come from you? But I'm going to tell them, maybe so. But we never rode together as partners and amigos. Get out of my sight and off my spread. In verse 21, I don't care if you've got the NIV or the Simplified Cowboy version or whatever it is. In both versions, in verse 21, it says, only those who do. Only those who do. We are saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. But James said, a faith without works is a dead faith. Those things aren't saying two different things. They're saying the same thing. You should believe, and it's only belief in Jesus Christ that you are saved. But if you truly believe, that will manifest itself in the way you live your lives. There is an outward action of internal belief. So how do we give an expression, an outward expression to our internal, internal belief? How do we do what God tells us to? The first thing you've got to do is get to know Jesus in three ways. This isn't hard. You can remember these. Get to know Jesus in three ways. Number one is your friend. Number two is your wagon boss. Number three, most importantly, as your Lord and Savior. The next thing is how we act. You're getting to know Jesus on those three levels as your friend, as your wagon boss, and as your Lord and Savior. The next thing is how we act. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. Two cowboys were sitting around the campfire one night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them both. The angel said, if you want eternal life, you must follow Christ. After their initial shock wore off, one cowboy asked, how do we know the trail that he took? We don't know how to follow him. Shoot, we didn't see him leave. The angel said, to follow him, you must find him. And to find him, just ask. The cowboys looked at each other and nodded. Then the angel said, after you ask for what you want, go and look for him. Seek him out. The cowboys stood up knowing there would be more. Knock on the door of love and it will be opened for you. It's easy to love those that love you back, but you must learn to love everyone, not just those that you care about, even the ones you don't. Don't look down your horse's nose at anyone, but be willing to lift anyone up that needs it. One of the cowboys said, Oh, heck, that trail won't be hard. We ain't got horses to look down the nose of. Some fellows done stole them away a couple of days ago. The other cowboy was deep in thought and finally repeated, So to get eternal life, we must follow Jesus. Yes, the angel said. And to follow him, we must first find him. Yes. And to find him, we've got to ask for him, look for him, and knock on the door. When the angel said yes, two of the best horses the cowboys had ever seen came walking up out of the brush. Saddle up and start riding, the angel said. Time is short down here. 
So the cowboys rode out in search of eternal life through following Jesus Christ. They became famous for their love of all mankind, their kindness in a world of hate, and the humbleness which with, with which they rode. Then one night, camped in a canyon, a storm blew in. The two cowboys huddled underneath their canvas tent and shook with fright. This wasn't no ordinary storm. This was a toad killer. With the sound of a thousand hoofbeats, a wall of water 30 feet high smashed into the tent and the cowboys who had taken refuge there. As they were swept away down the canyon, their now lifeless bodies bounced and shattered off the rocks in a gruesome ballet of death. Then there before them was the same angel they had seen at the campfire those years ago. The cowboys looked at each other in astonishment as they stood on dry ground and in dry boots. If you want eternal life, you must follow Jesus Christ, the angel said. Did you? The brasher of the two cowboys spoke up quick. You darn tootin' we did. We done followed him all the way to kingdom come. But did you find him? The angel asked. Well, I think we got close a few times. The other cowboy just rolled his eyes. Oh yeah? The angel said. What did Jesus look like? Uh, uh, well, if I recall, he was a tall feller. Not too tall, mind you, but he wasn't no shorty either. Uh, if and I recall, I think, I think he had him a beard and wore a bathrobe all the time. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he was shod with sandals instead of boots. Uh, like a wind-up toy, wound up, tight, the cowboy continued. I'm pretty sure I seen him at a bunch of churches. Yeah, and, and he carried a Bible around everywhere he went. King James Version. Shoot, I reckon I even heard him singing his favorite hymn one Sunday night right there in the church. Jesus sure enough loves that old rugged cross tie. I can't wait to shake his hand. When I meet him, I'm going to tell him, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Then all of a sudden, a loud voice filled the air saying, Maybe so, but we never rode together as partners and amigos. Get out of my sight and off my spread. And with a scream that shattered the night, the cowboy was gone. The angel looked at the other cowboy who was standing there with his head down. The man wiped away a tear as it fell, and the angel asked, If you want eternal life, you must follow Christ. Did you? Yes. Did you find him, though? Well, yes and no, the cowboy said. What do you mean by that? The angel asked. I didn't find him. He found me. You saw him? Yes. What did he look like? He had brown eyes, brown hair, and a big nose. The cowboy looked off in the distance like he was remembering a long-ago memory. You see, the cowboy said to the angel, I recognized him the night you appeared and he walked up. We rode together every night after that. When I was asking, seeking, and knocking, I was riding in the saddle that was upon his back. It was by his power that we did those things. It was him that showed us the trails to follow. We never knew where we were going, but he always seemed to get us there. Like a living flashback, the cowboy relived the events. I didn't go looking for Jesus to get something from him. I lived that life because I knew he died for me. I wasn't looking to get something. I was looking to give back. But in doing so, I got more than I could ever ask for. A peace that I can't explain. Happiness because I was never alone. Comfort. When even that wall of water came down on us, and most of all, I got to feel truly loved. All of a sudden, a bright light enveloped the cowboy, and when he had dared open his eyes, he looked into the brown eyes he had come to know and love. The same eyes he once saw in a horse, he now saw in a man. And that man said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And the cowboy fell to his knees, and he cried. Is your belief in Christ lived out day to day, or is your belief merely a delusion? Do you follow Christ to get something, or to give something back? Do you know him? Do you ride with him every day? 
Or are you just a Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Christian? Or worse yet, only a Sunday morning, 10 to 11 Christian? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, no fancy words today. You are calling, just like you called your disciples, you are calling a cowboy and a cowgirl here today. They know who they are. You're calling them with the same call that you gave your disciples. Come, follow me. Lord, give them the guts to do just that. They don't have to walk up here. They don't have to do anything except say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'll ride for you. I'll ride with you. No longer for myself, but for you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Glad you took a ride with us today. If you liked today's service and heard God speaking to you, I'd like for you to go to our website and check out the new book, Simplified Cowboy Version Gospel of Matthew. If you've ever wanted to read your Bible but found it difficult to understand, then this book is for you. Just go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on General Store. You'll find tons of stuff there to help you in your ride with Christ. You can also partner up with us by following the online giving link. All our monthly supporters get an audio CD or DVD every month in the mail as our way of saying thank you. We don't care about the amount. Look at what Jesus did with a couple of biscuits and some fish. He can do the same with your helping hand. I know you couldn't help but notice all the great music playing in the background. You need to stop what you're doing and go by BarryWardMusic.com and check out his new album, West of Dodge. This radio program wouldn't have made it without the support of these fine folks. Tumbleweed Hay, 303-324-8217 for all your big and small hay bale needs. If you need a metal building for your ponies or even your plane, jump on the internet and check out WesternLLC.net. Kim Iverson over at Look East Realty is just waiting to find you what you're looking for. Give her a call at 303-644-4444. And Double H Heating and Air is the best that there is. Give Matt a call at 303-669-8911. And finally, Comanche Creek Enterprises is that certain kind of company that all you farmers and ranchers have been looking for. They provide services to enhance vegetation and revitalize native grasslands, crops, and landscaping. Don't delay. Call Chuck today at 303-619-7030.